Hello, 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 and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and I am just really sick and tired of COVID. This episode is with Bernard Hoax, a multi-talented man who has been working in the animation and visual effects industry for many years. He's worked with several big name companies such as Pixar, where he was the character technical director, Oculus, where he was a character supervisor, and more recently, Facebook as a creative director. Now, on top of this and more of what we're actually chatting about in this talk is that he is the co-founder and CEO of SyncSketch, which is a seamless visual communication and critique platform specifically used by animators. Now, you may already be using SyncSketch at work because I know a lot of studios do this, but my experience of SyncSketch comes from Sheridan College since all of the classes went online due to the pandemic. Profs would use SyncSketch to critique our animation by highlighting areas that needed work or redrawing poses or layouts all in real time and is very helpful. And in this chat, Bernard is not only going to share his career journey, but he's going to share how and why he developed SyncSketch and where the future of the platform is heading. So now without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Bernard. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. How's it going over there? Thanks, Terry. Very good. Very well. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me to podcast. podcast. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's cool that you uh, created SyncSketch because it's something that I've used a lot before through school and, and just uh, getting feedback on my animations and stuff. So I want to chat all about that. But first, I want to know, you know more about you. Like, How did you get into a career where you thought SyncSketch would be... Uh, great thing to make <laughs> um, in a career. Well, you know, I was, I was uh, always trying to, you know, become an animator, really. That was my, that was my dream as a kid. And um, initially it was just the old Disney animation. And, um, and then I, uh, I was into drawing comic books. And so I was, you know, drawing all day long. And one of the things that drove me to, um, to animation was also seeing seeing like the first Pixar stuff. Uh, I went to a comic book convention in, in, in Munich uh, at the time, and they you know everybody had comic books, but one person had these old VHS television on their screen on their on their desk, uh, and the one VHS that they was playing in a loop was was Knickknack from Pixar, <clears throat> and so uh, that was you know mind blowing to me like what what is happening here? This is not so, real. So this is this is pre Toy Story Pixar like. Yeah, this was 89. So this was a few so, so they weren't a household name yet. And you just kind of randomly saw them at this convention. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know who they were. Like, I just I just basically have never seen anything like it before. And and I don't think many people have because it was like, like, this, this screen sort of was like a magnet for the crowds. Like everybody watched this and saw like, what is this? And, um, and so and I wanted to find out more. So yeah, I was, I was really curious about this. And I, and I went to a library and looked up computer animation. Uh, even have to look up the term, what is it even called, you know? So um, and there was one book, I found one book on computer animation uh, that was not based on like, you know, automotive design or architecture CAD or something. It was just one on computer animation. And, and it mentioned Pixar in like a, you know, on page 233 in a little side note or something, right? So it was, was really, it was really not a household name at the time. Um, and, uh, and then I always kept, like I didn't have internet at the time. So I, all my research was libraries. Um, but then a few years later, I went to the States and, um, and uh, I basically talked to the area rep who figured out the family for me to stay uh, in Los Angeles. And he was working at NBC in his daytime. And uh, he basically, you know, told him, oh, I'm in America in California right now. You know, how I've heard of this company called Pixar. How to, <laughs> where to find it? How can I see it? 
And he was, he's like, I've never heard of Pixar, but we can definitely find out where they are and what they do. And, you know, and if we, you know, can see if you can get a visit there. And so he basically called him up and said, like, I can run a story on Pixar if you guys, uh, uh, if you guys are going to take Bernard up into your studio for one day. So, uh, and that's, that they he's are a nice guy. <laughs> he, he was, he's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's the funniest guy, but also just, you know, really enabling for, for like, I was 15 at the time. Um, so, <clears throat> You know, the next day, like on a couple of weeks later, we basically flew up and um, from Los Angeles to 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 there, and they were in Point Richmond at the time, and it was like I remember this whole kind of office campus was completely, you know, old school. You wouldn't tell, you know, it has nothing to do with Pixar today, where everything is beautiful, with the beach volleyball court and beautifully catered buildings. At the time that I went there, it was just um, uh, it was just like a you know a Xerox lot or something. It was just kind of random office buildings and. Uh, but it was there at the time that they built uh, Toy Story. And so the vice president of Pixar at the time basically took me on a tour for three hours to the studio, showing me the animators, showing me like they did like, you know, lifesaver, you know, animations, like advertising and this stuff. And they were just, I walked through when they were scanning the dog for Toy Story 1, you know, for as, as, as a model reference. And um, <clears throat> it was like, I have to work here sometimes. People are driving around on scooters and, you know, have the craziest office decoration and, um, and I was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I like working in this weird park, but uh, in this weird like office thing, but you know, the people here seem awesome. And so I was asking like, okay, how do you, how do you get here? And at the time they were saying like, well, we recruit people from CalArts, which was a school in California um, and uh, in Santa, Santa Ana, I think. Um, and it was at the time I remember, you know, it was like $30,000 tuition or something ridiculous for, for for somebody from from another country, which at the time was already high for me, and my parents in Germany don't save for school <laughs> because you know school is sort of free education, yeah. <laughs> and so like you know we didn't save like two hundred thousand dollars for you to go to a school in America. You have to study here, <laughs> so and so that that dream scattered shattered pretty quickly, and I was like, okay, well I guess I won't end up at Pixar. <clears throat> and um, by the way, it's this huge tangent right now. I'm just talking about like no, it's it's fine. Like I've never heard anybody talk about the pre toy story days of Pixar before. So it's very interesting to me that you kind of on a whim got somebody to say they're going to write an NBC article about Pixar in exchange for a three hour tour where you got to see like <laughs> the beginnings of history, I guess. Right. I think that's incredible. And you were 15 years old. Yeah. At the time I was, I was 15. Yeah. So why were you in the States in the first place? You were on a, uh, like a school exchange. Yeah. It was an exchange program. Yeah. So I, oh, nice. I was, my my father had gone in like 62 and then my brother went and my sister and I all so, sort of so you uh you seeing all this crazy amazing stuff at Pixar and you're like I want to do this but your dream is shattered because they only recruit from a school in the US that is uh astronomically high <laughs> in in terms of <laughs> how much you'd have to pay and you don't have any savings so how, and you only found one book at the library about them I guess so how yeah how did but you ended up working for pixar for like eight years so how did you maybe close the gap between 15 year old bernard whose dreams are shattered and uh working at pixar <laughs> yeah that is the yeah I, yeah I don't, yeah I'll, I'll try to like you know basically go into you know situation in germany is you know germany wasn't really known for the cg education <laughs> there wasn't really anything <laughs> nobody like was at the time <laughs> And uh, and so there was when online schools like animation mentor like you know and 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 at Pixar when I was talking to these 
um, to these people that I didn't know at the time. Later, I found out that I was talking to the same people that I later worked with. Um, you know, they um, they basically told me that well, you have to do learn two D animation because there's not really a formal education for three D, and you know, two D animators usually are you know we can see the talent in two D animation, and then you know we usually hire hire from those people. And if you want to learn two D animation, you have to have really strong skills and you know, and figurative drawing and and so on. So I was trying to find a school there in Germany that does that. And so during my military, I was basically drawing, you know, uh, so basically when I graduated school, um, you know, I, I tried to, you know, polish up my, my drawing skills and every, you know, every night and every weekend I was drawing, you know, things and, and I had everything um, in an atelier in, in Germany, um, you know, in a box and uh, that was shared by other people. And uh, then the application deadline for the 2D animation school in Germany was that was free, you know, so not thirty thousand dollars a year, was coming up. And then I went into this into this uh, into this cabinet where the, the my drawings used to be, and my box was gone. Like all my drawings, <laughs> and so I couldn't apply for the school. Um, somebody somebody had stolen them or cleaned them out and thought they were old or I don't know what it was, but basically like, you know, my entire portfolio was gone. And so I randomly applied for another school that's called the film academy in germany and um <clears throat> and i was accepted there um that they had nothing to do with 2d animation they really didn't have a, a 2d animation program or any program really but they did cg animation at the time it was the first time they they initiated the program um you know at that time i'm like okay if i can't study 2d animation i will not end up at pixar but at least i can study something that i'm really excited about which was cg animation and this was uh, a school there um they were, you know, doing formal school, formal film education, and then went into uh, CG through Roland Emmerich, who did, uh, you know, uh, what is it called, uh, Independence Day at the time, right? And so he graduated from there, and he basically used some film academy students to finish this film that was, I think, 97, 98, 99 or something. So there was a little bit more movement there, and this, so this school essentially brought me some education and also was organizing the FMX, which is sort of the big convention in Germany, uh, where a lot of visual effects and animation, uh, you know, people go to, to, you know, it's a big Congress essentially. And, uh, and this, this is where basically that's kind of was a springboard that got me to Pixar ultimately. So you graduated from this program with experience in CG and then, and then got picked up by Pixar? It was it was different. So I had my second year presentation. So I did a film in my second year where basically, um, or or just to just to roll back, I was in the film academy. Um, they started doing an exchange with with a school in France. That uh, was Coblan, and I was the first one to go over to go Coblan to study there for for a little while. And this was a two D animation program. So because I was still driven to go to Pixar, I was like, this is the chance I have to grab. Like, I have to study 2D animation. And so I went to Goblin and studied 2D animation for a while. And, um, and then when I came back and back into CG, I realized that all the stuff that I had learned in 2D for 2D animation in Goblin is really, you know, for you can't really draw the, you know, rig or animate a rig in the same way that you would draw it on paper because the rigs are also in, uh, insufficient. Like you can't really, tweak the silhouette, you can't really tweak the volume, et cetera. So I basically became more and more interested in rigging mm. and, and then started building out uh, characters that would basically, where you can deform pretty much any part of it. And, uh, and I had a reel that was like, you know, basically I had a tool where you can liquefy the characters just like in Photoshop and stuff like that. And so that was in 2003 or 2004 or something. 
And that was my second year at the Film Academy. And in that year in the FMX, um, Kevin Geiger, who was the soup tech of Rapunzel at the time with Glenn Keane, came to see sort of the work that students were doing. And he saw the stuff that I was doing with my rigs. And he basically said, like, would you like to work for us? <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, this is not, uh, this is not happening right now. Um, How did he see it? Did you send your portfolio? No, they have these student, they have these students oh, gotcha. where they basically have like a bunch of students. And this is an amazing, incredible opportunity with the film academy. Like you basically, at the time there was, you know, you basically get to present as a second year student. So I guess these people get invited to the film, uh, to the FMX, right? They get to present and they get their flight paid and their hotel paid. And one of the things they have to do if you present, I think, is, is I guess they have to sit through the second year or they get a chance to sit through the second year presentation of the students. And, um, you know, and, uh, and I did that, uh, was one of the students who control. And so I was like sitting in front of people that were uh, soup techs at Weta and, uh, you know, soup techs at Sony and soup techs at, you know, at, at Disney and, you know, DreamWorks and so on. And so it was, it's kind of an incredible opportunity. I don't think you ever like would be able to sit in the same room showing your work in front of these people otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so like this, this is the funny part about this, like my portfolio was stolen, right? I got to the film academy and because of what is a film academy doing this, like through these weird circumstances of coincidence, I ended up in the best situation possible to like a super lucky situation where I was able to present to these people. And yeah. um, so, you know, Kevin was at the time just finished Chicken Little, I think, and that's what his presentation was on. Um, and so for the first time there, they also explored how to do 2D animation more like you know pushing their 3d animation style more towards 2d animation like mechanics etc so he was super interested in the talk that i did with deformation stuff and um so uh he talked to me after the show and he says like pulled me aside I was like do you can you imagine working for disney and i was like this is like I, I you know this is not you know i must be waking up any moment because <laughs> yeah. i always wished for that but now that he's saying that i'm like scared to death that that's actually like something that could happen uh, because i'm not sure if i could fill these boots um and um, and so, but then it turns out that with a visa situation, I couldn't be actually even getting a visa uh, in the second year. Um, but that even go even further, like to the point where Glenn Keane called me up on my on the beach volleyball court, where I was playing volleyball, and he asked me if I want to join the crew. I was like, that's what be amazing. But it turns out the visa situation was in a way where I couldn't get a visa in the states um, if I wouldn't have my wouldn't have my bachelor degree. So I couldn't get an H one B without getting getting that first. So I had to complete my studies. By that time, unfortunately, Glenn was, you know, I think he had uh, health issues. And so he was retired as director. Um, um, I think uh, Kevin left the show as well as a soup tech. It was kind of rebranded to Tangled. And then um, another lucky thing happened where <clears throat> by the time I graduated, I basically, um, then my name was handed off to Pixar and then Pixar called me and asked me if, if I would like to submit their review, uh, submit their, my reel. And by the way, by that time I had submitted my reel a hundred times to Pixar. And, yeah. and then they called me up and said like, Hey, can you submit your reel? And like, you already have it a hundred times over. <laughs> but somehow like that connection, like having the connection to point somebody to that reel and that wash basket or somewhere, I think was, was key. And, and so I got in, um, flew over, did an interview and a few years later I was working there. Mm -hmm. So, well, it sounds like you were really driven from the start. You know, you, you saw this thing from Pixar at this, at, on this VHS screen from a young age, and then you were very driven to do whatever you could in your power, I guess, to pursue that and get that. And, and you got it. How did it feel um, working at Pixar after all those years of, you know, going back and forth from the States, France, 
having your portfolio stolen, which might have been the best thing that ever happened to you, to, to all this other stuff, being told that you can't join Pixar now, you have to finish your degree, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, so I guess, um, how was it the first time? Like, it was, it's, it's surreal. Like, you go to Pixar and everything is a little bit like Candyland, right? To me, Pixar was, you know, so many people can relate to this today. It's, I think it's no special story that people are excited about Pixar. At the time, I did not know anybody else in Germany who had gone to Pixar, right? So um, I didn't know any people that, like, the industry, like at the time, people recruited from the US and didn't really recruit from other countries very much. I think they start, DreamWorks start, started picking up with um, uh, Shelley Page, trying to pick up people from Europe, from France, et cetera, animators, um, because the studios were growing, they needed more talent coming from other places. Um, but it wasn't really common thing, right, to, to, to sort of have this gypsy life where you an animator in Germany, next time you're working for a show in America and so on. It wasn't really happening that much. So I didn't really have a good um, grasp that this could actually happen. And, and when I interviewed at Pixar and, and, you know, on the first day of work there, it just felt so, so surreal. And, and I remember that John Lasseter actually came through, I <laughs> was standing there in the entryway. And John Lasseter actually came up to the door with like two, like hands full of, I think, you know, just chopping bags, like full of toys probably or something. And he tried to get in the door and I was like, oh my God, this is John Lasseter. I can't, I can't believe I'm seeing John Lasseter right now in front of the door, the guy that I had admired for so long for, you know, uh, Luxo Jr. and so on. And he was just kind of, you know, you know, shuffling left and right in front of the door, trying to open up. Like, and I was unable to move. I was just so in awe of like actually seeing. He's like, face. please help me open the door. So I was so beside myself, and and um, and so that normalizes, of course, over time, right? But um, yeah. um, in the end, you know, there's funny things where, like I was saying, the people who scanned the dog, I later, you know, did a sculpting class with, and you know, uh, you know, a lot of the colleagues that we had there were just you know, are, um, you know, are just have been in the industry for such a long time. And, you know, oh, you were the one who built Gary, you know, for, for Gary's, you know, um, Gary's game and, um, and you built, you know, Remy and I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, or Woody, and it's just incredible to be able to work alongside these people for a while. And, um, and you feel like an imposter for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, well, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I want to talk about SyncSketch, but maybe uh, leading up to SyncSketch, maybe you can just kind of share career highlights and what made you decide that uh, you needed to create SyncSketch in the first place. Yeah, um, sure. So sorry for like, this was a long detour on, on like my career. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the things that I, I did work um, as an animator for a long time in Germany, um, you know, like next to my studies uh, um, and did animate for Studio Soy and, and a few a few things there that, that they've done. And Ardman, and so when I came to, um, uh, yeah, and I worked for Ardman as, as concept artist and a little bit of, of animator there. And then I went to the States to Pixar when my, my gig started there, but I was still teaching students in, in, in France. So I was teaching animation for students in France while I was a character DD at, at Pixar. <clears throat> and, uh, and the trouble that I had is that basically the students there tried to send me their shots and they sent me quick times and emails, et cetera. And then I tried to, you know, open them up and have a desktop screen share session with Skype. But Skype at the time, this was like 2010, 2011, 2012 or something. And this, this the sessions were just so 
you would see like every third second there would not be a way to draw over stuff like just this was before zoom and everything <laughs> like zoom yeah, yeah, yeah. would have made that a world easier but at the time you know that that was what was really really difficult to exchange feedback so i brought it into after effects and shared my screen of after effects where they draw over and, and drew you know frame step forward and frame step back and when they say like you know oh if you go back to like that pose like what should i do there and I'm like which pose this pose that pose and they didn't have any control and it was just a really terrible experience teaching that way and and i was at the time playing again volleyball with my friend uh, phil uh, who who is the creator of traction which is the production tracking tool at pixar um and uh, so i told him like you know as you know i know he was like an insanely gifted engineer and, and so um, I told him like I'm doing this, and it's just a pain in the you know in the rear to to review remotely, and um, and I was just like wish there was a way to synchronize the media files, and then just instead of synchronizing the image data, just synchronizing like the metadata of what you're doing to the file, scrubbing, drawing over, and and just doing that. Uh, and he said like yeah, oh that sounds great, uh, that sounds like a fun project. And so he sat down for two weeks, um, you know, two weekends basically, and did the first prototype, and. Um, and it worked really nicely. And it was like, this is amazing. We should put this out there for people to use and for people to teach and communicate with each other. So we did that. And, and for the first three years or something, we basically had this platform running where just drag and drop a file onto a page and it automatically turns into a sync sketch and people can sketch, you know, synchronized way and, and review. And so, but then we looked at our server costs and all of a sudden it became <laughs> really expensive because every school was starting to use it and studios started to use it. And so we basically. So it was it was just a free to use tool. At first, did you market it at all, or people were just finding it because they were? No, I had no idea about marketing. No, we just basically told a few friends about it, and then like some animators at Pixar were starting to use it for teaching their stuff, and you know, and so then and then it became more and more um, uh, used, and 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 we just we you know we just saw like we had fun because people were having fun with it, and we added more features to it, and, and kind of. Um, Kind of build it out over time. Actually, until mid of 2019, we just did this on the side, um, you know, or like just alone in our next to our full time jobs, and um, and uh, yeah, in 2017, like in you know 2017, 2018, I think 2017, end of 2017, we got our green cards, and for the first time, we we're able to create a company that actually has paid plans, and we're actually able to make revenue, and and you know. Pay, pay our service basically <laughs> that, was, that was the first time we actually you know opened that up to to a you know commercial audience nice so you you've been uh operating i guess commercially since 2017 2018 so and you and well i found out about it and i've been using it since 2019 i guess which is kind of when it started to ramp up so how many people are using it or studios are using it now because you know i feel like it's just a thing that i use and know about as one of the tools for my animation like everybody does so i'm assuming it's it's big it is it is pretty big yeah it's kind of been amazing like to see how many people have, have been jumping on it even before the pandemic but then in the pandemic it was sort of like just a turbo boost because it's you know we didn't build it for the pandemic obviously yeah but it, it turned out to be a really good tool in the pandemic where everybody has to communicate quickly and feeling like you're in the same room and not have a lag and you know see frame accurate playback etc so um the um yeah we we basically went to <clears throat> like grow the team to about six people now um and we have a few uh it's like six full-time employees and we have a few contractors who help us um for marketing and and uh, sales and um and some some uh, ancillary sort of uh, 
work. So um, it's 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 a really kick-ass team. I'm, I'm really happy. The team has been really fun to work with, and it's a lot more fun to work with a team just than just Phil and me. <laughs> you know, my yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe if somebody hasn't heard of Sync Sketch before, like, could you do a little pitch of what it is? Because I know we've been talking about it, but I don't I don't know if we've been super clear on you know what it what it's main. Oh purpose. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Basically, uh, Sync Sketch is is a a visual view platform where you can upload your media files and you can share a link and everybody who's on the link can um, scrub and annotate in real time and basically work with each other. Just like, it's basically Google Docs for artists essentially. So, you know, real time interaction on media files and you can upload images, videos, PDFs, uh, 3D models, uh, 360 files, um, all sorts of content. And it's basically for the, for the collaborative media, um, uh, for, for, for media collaboration for, any studio, school, film studio, visual effects studio, animation studio, et cetera. Yeah. Do you have more than just animators using it? Are there like other weird, not weird, but other industries that have stumbled into it, I guess, maybe like, I don't know, architecture or like something different? Yeah, it always surprises us. I mean, we never, we never really, you know, as an animator coming, coming from animation, of course, like some, some, a lot of the tools are animation centric, like ghosting and, and uh, tracing paper and, you know, health frames and stuff like that. And so I think that's where a big differentiator is for us. So that's why we're especially popular in animation. But, um, uh, but we do see a lot of people using it for a lot of other things, like just surprising that we all of a sudden have, you know, anatomy teachers on our platform and we have um, museums on a platform that review like a gallery and then how, where they want to place artwork. And it's just, a, you know, they just like to work on visuals or advertising companies or it's basically anything visual you can upload and review is, it's not, we're not really, we're pretty agnostic as to what you do there. Um, but just because we spread as word of mouth, like we didn't have a marketing until like last marketing company until last year. Um, and, uh, you know, all the, all the spread that we had until then has been pretty, um, pretty organic. And, and so the organic spreads, you know, by word of mouth and the word of mouth that's been happening is mostly in animation and visual effects. Um, so I first started using it when I went to a studio here in Toronto and, uh, asked one of the professional animators to review some of my student work. And he sent me a sync sketch and was like, upload it here. And I'll, I'll like review it on the weekend. Mm -hmm. and it was amazing. Cause like he drew right on top of my poses. I could like, you said, you know, the scrub through, he was like playing, I could play through to see how he was envisioning the animation on top of what I had already done. And it was like super helpful for me to review my work and, and change it. Um, I'm wondering, and that's mostly what I've used it for. Also, like I've used it for like layouts and perspective drawing and stuff like that. But I'm wondering other like new features or interesting features that I, I need to, I should be looking into, I guess, or it would be interesting to know about other than like the main thing of just, you know, reviewing work on top of my work. Yeah, so, so yeah, we constantly have new things coming. I think one of the big things of 2020 where, where a lot of studios went online. So basically we work with, uh, the biggest animation studios in the world. We work for the biggest streaming, you know, platforms in the world. We, you know, there's um, uh, there's a lot of security around those, um, those those studios that you know, and even biggest games, game game companies and game um, engines that that are using our platform um, to to review internal content, etc. So um, there's a lot of kind of conditions around those those companies. A usually when you work with them, if you really work with them, they're not. They, they basically don't want to, you know, want you to, to mention their name by contract, right? So if you have a contract with them, usually you can't put them on your website um, unless you have like sort of a promotional agreement, which they usually don't agree to. So a lot of these companies that we work with, we can't promote on our website, but 
Um, these I can't tell you anonymously, those, those are the ones. And so, um, but what that happens there is that there are a lot of security around those, right? So um, content security is key. And we basically spent a lot of time in the last years um, building up the content security, um, you know, just ISO 27001, things like that, that basically give, you know, and so TPN level uh, security that, that, you know, trusted partner network level security that will basically allow every production to interact with each other without fearing that the content will be somehow leaking, et cetera. So we did, you know, watermarking, we did, um, you know, you know, like a lot of um, backend and frontend security, organizational security. Um, and and what what the next features, so that's that's been a big part of our focus in the last year. Um, but Makes now sense. slowly we're getting getting back in line with um, with releasing features that we've been really excited about in the past to improve the player, et cetera. So one of them is, for example, the sketch code that we've been working on, which is a new sketch code that that basically works and feels like Procreate. <clears throat> so ah. you can in your browser you have you can customize your brushes. It's super fast, buttery smooth, and really responsive. And and this was something that Glenn Keane and this is this is like the nice little turnaround. I actually ended we actually ended up working with Glenn Keane in some way because he was uh, he was using SingSketch for his Over the Moon feature film. Wow. So um, so we're gonna have an interview with him actually coming on our website soon. But um, but he was using SingSketch and he was like, I would like to have better drawing tools and you know I would like to have different brush pre tips and you know have something you know. And so obviously we worked with him. He was our uh, test uh, you know case for this for this and also. You know, a lot of ideas originated from him, how that would look in the interface, et cetera. So uh, that was super exciting to work with him, and and that's coming soon. Uh, we just released sequence playback. We are in alpha for a three D model reviewer, so you can review and upload three D content, um, and that includes three D animations. So you can basically scrub through animations just like you can scrub through a clip and annotate from any angle. So a lot of game companies work with vendors where they get animation clips or you know or assets sent to them. Um, you know, you have to traditionally render out four different angles of that animation or mocap clip, and instead now you just upload your FBX and you can review it right on the spot. Um, it's been making a lot of lives easier for for for, for people in, in that industry. And, and there's a lot more that we can talk about. We, we have a screen grabber coming that you can use to, you know, capture a skew screen or record a video and 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 so on. So we have a lot of new tools that will come to really you know, complete the ecosystem of, of, of artist to artist reviews and studio to studio reviews. That's, that's really cool. And, and what you're telling me is um, eventually you'll just create an animation program within SingSketch. <laughs> so you, you don't have to use like Toon Boom or Maya or anything. It'll just be SingSketch, I guess. Well, you know, it's, it's getting more and more powerful. So I don't know if it's ever going to be an animation tool. I don't think we can compete with anything like Harmony. I mean, fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. I think that what, what we want to do is um, you know, people work in so many different tools and it's just a shattered, like, you know, you work in Substance and ZBrush and Maya and Blender and Unreal and Unity and, you know, and Harmony and like all, you know, Nuke, whatever. Um, so you you have all these different platforms and if they would all implement their own annotation tools and then you, you know, no one know, knows exactly where to go to find their notes and where to annotate and what to do. Um, so what we want to do is basically become sort of the central hub of annotation and we want to tie into all these different tools, right? So um you know and then we would ultimately be able to annotate these tools but things feed back to sync sketch um, and one of the things that that uh were you mentioning is like becoming an animation tool like we don't try to become an animation tool but we try to shortcut your time <clears throat> so instead of basically if you would do for example a lighting review on sync sketch 
Uh, currently, one way of doing a lighting review is you can circle, red circle things, and that's kind of the common way of marking up things. You can do a color picker on SyncSketch, um, but then once you get into like, hey, add a rim light here and you know try to retouch this, etc., um, you can do a lot with just basic brushes, right? And communicate a note with basic brushes, but you need to have those brushes at your fingertips. And you can download the image into Photoshop and do it there or appropriate and do it there and bring it back into SyncSketch. But that's just more steps. And we want to be able to have people allow them to basically annotate right in the app and, and get as much mileage out of this, the app as possible. That makes sense. I was going to ask you what your overall vision for SyncSketch is, like project 10 years from now when SyncSketch is, uh, I don't know, household name, huge company, just like Pixar. But uh, it sounds like you just kind of gave it to me. You want to, you know, streamline all the processes, make it really simple, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely be a household name like Pixar where everybody wants to work <laughs> <laughs> and people get flustered when I enter the door. No, uh, no, it's uh, it's going to be, um, we we feel SyncSketch is going to be sort of the way of artists communicating with each other, right? So. There are many ways of communicating with each other now. People communicate on Slack, right? With, um, you know, you know the day-to-day -day communication or Teams or, you know, Discord, etc. Um, we want to become sort of the visual collaboration hub, and we want to tie into all these different tools. And um, and because I think there's a lot, there are a lot of tools out there, like um, you know, the great tools like Shotgun or you know other tools that do visual collaboration. Um, but one of the things that we find is that very often they're not focused on the artist as much as, as, as we are. And very often uh, reviews are just, you know, one satellite of them, you know, of their focus, right? So there is reviews, but they're not really always polished and they're sometimes, um, you know, in more steps than you need. And, and it's, it's just complicated to set up and things like that. And we wanna make it really easy and accessible. Um, and just because you should not be focusing on setting up your tech, you should just be, here's a link, let's review it, right? Like, let's make it really easy. And, um, and that's what we're trying to become is, is, is sort of the go-to thing. Like the first thing you think about when you think about reviewing content should be saying sketch. Um, that's where you want to be. I mean, I th in my opinion, you're kind of already there. <laughs> um, well, thanks for sharing that story. Is there anything else you wanted to share kind of maybe as we wrap up here? Um, no, I'm mean, excited to be on this, on this chat. This is my first time doing like a podcast. Like, like, I don't know why. Well, welcome to your first time doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm glad I can be first. Yeah, thank you for thank you for spending the time. And, and, and you know, I'm always happy to answer more questions uh, of yours or anybody listening. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, th well, thank you so much again. And uh, if you're listening and you want to get in touch and ask Bernard some questions or suggest some features for SyncSketch maybe, uh, you can do so by checking out his email, which is bernard at syncsketch.com. And I'll include that information in the description of this chat as well as the website for SyncSketch if you haven't been there before. And thanks you, thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Take care. Bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.